Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? <laughs> I know you got food in the back, and I'm not going to get too involved today. <laughs> I did bring something special today. Now, I've got hundreds of stories that I could tell on your pastor, but I'll only tell two. Love them dearly. Love the family. The family. If you think for one minute that the whole family doesn't sacrifice when their dad's a pastor, you'd be mistaken. They've all had to give of the time with dad. Because I know his Saturdays was always full. Trying to scratch one out. <coughs> My wife always wanted a sister, and she found one of Sister Kathy. Uh, for our 20th anniversary. <laughs> I got a hunting trip in the mountains with your pastor. Well, somebody should have shouted, I killed one. He can talk to turkeys as good as he can preach. She got a cruise, what was it, 80-something day cruise? She got a cruise with Sister Kathy. And there's pictures to prove this when I tell you this. This Bible has been international. <laughs> this is what I got for my 20th anniversary on a hunting trip. And I'm going to use it today in honor of that. I love you. Love you guys. Appreciate everything that you've done for us. If you will stand, I'm going to read you a scripture. Psalms chapter 107. While I'm turning there, thank you for all my, i got some family that's in here. My sister-in-law over here and her sister. Who's that big tall guy? Goodness. Connor and, now those two can sing the paint off the wall if they want to, but I don't know if they will. And this is uh, Brother Junior, wave your hand, him and his wife. You, uh, he was like a spiritual mentor to me. Did concrete for years with him here in uh, Cleveland. Where's Sister Paula? I've seen Paula. I, I don't fear anybody in here today because Sister Paula's here. I don't. I don't. There's a couple of young uh, adults that are here now that was in my J-12 when I was with your pastor. They were, <laughs> what is that up there? He got him a mustache now. Uh, so good to see them in the house of the Lord still serving the Lord. After they went through my class. That's good. That's real good. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalms chapter 107. Psalms chapter 107. I want to get right into this today. This is one of, one of the greatest Psalms because of the way it starts, but I don't want to start there. I want to start in verse number 35. He gives us instruction on giving thanks to the Lord because the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Verse 35 says, he turns the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there he makes the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city of habitation for habitation. So the fields would plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also so that they are multiplied greatly and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are minished 
and brought low through oppression and affliction and sorrow. He pours contempt upon princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet saith he the poor on high, setteth he the poor on high from affliction and makes him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. I want to preach to you just for a few moments on building a culture of praise. Building the culture of praise. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for the privilege to be behind this sacred desk today. I take this as no small thing, but I pray today that my lips will begin to speak words of wisdom, speak to the house, to speak to the house today, speak to those who are in need today. Lord, I pray today that you would uh, touch ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. If we've ever been in a need for a revival, for an outpouring of your spirit, we're in that day today. I praise you, I praise you today for just the opportunity to be here and those who have mentored me in my ministry. I thank you for them and we bless them today. Father, have your way in this house and we'll give you praise when it's said and done in Jesus' name. Somebody say, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. There is, every time that God begins to move in the earth, it is always preceded by something that has entered into the heavens by way of God's people that are here on earth. We just read it in those scriptures. He turns, he makes, he blesses, he multiplies. He doesn't allow subtraction Anything that you have, he protects you from death. He brings the high down low. He sets the low on high, and he hides us from affliction. The echoing sound of a prayerful cry to receive a promise, the penetrating power of a Pentecostal people praising God in unity, reverberating through the heavens, one voice, one prayer, one mind, and one accord in one place, from one spirit sounding into the heavens, like a bullhorn blasting into the ears of God. The echoes override the angels crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I believe God leans over from his throne and he begins to hear the cries of his people. And in the spirit there is a sound of your praise that goes before God. And this sound is the sound of somebody building a tabernacle, somebody building a temple, uh, the nailing of boards, the raising of walls that... God begins to hear because he knows that his people are building a place, a covering for him to come and to dwell in. The Bible says God inhabits, he lives in, he protects, and he visits those who have a yearning heart and praise on their lips. What greater sound to the King of kings and the Lord of lords than to hear the worshipful groans of a broken people, a broken and contrite people, a repentant cry of a godly people burdened with the sins of a nation upon their face, begging him to visit them in their worldwide chaos. And if you don't know that we are in a worldwide chaos right now, uh, here's, here's the questions that will sometimes arise to us. Will he tarry or will he split the eastern sky and come and take his bride away very soon? What do you do when all else failed and everything we depended upon in earth 
seems to be falling apart and turning to rubble right before our eyes. What do you do when it seems like sickness can't be healed and the sin-sickened world that once burned with the flame of the gospel is now shattered in pieces of broken society falling deeper and deeper into their sin, slowly sliding down the slippery so slopes of a sinful uh, sinfulness that it seems that we cannot come out of, an apathy instead of a burning desire to preach the gospel, an apathy that begins to uh, overtake take us that we don't even know what's happened to us. We sit in a pew sometimes and we just begin to wonder what happened to the anointing that used to be upon my life. I don't know. Maybe you've never been there, but I've been there in that place and all it took was for one time for me to get down on my knees and begin to cry out to God and say, God, I can't live without your anointing. I can't live without the power of the Holy Ghost residing on the inside of me. I can't live any longer. I don't want to take another step without you. I'm trying not to get too involved. What is the answer to our modern-day dilemma? What can change the course of a day that we are living in? I just read it to you in Psalms chapter 107. I wonder what would happen if we really, truly turned our whole hearts towards the Lord and we laid down every sin that so easily besets us and we began to seek the face of the Lord and we quit drawing lines in the sand over the songs that we sing and we quit drawing lines in the sand over who likes who and who doesn't like who and who's leading this and who's leading that. I wonder what would truly happen if we just said, God, come down in the midst today and begin to lead us. All this other rubbish, all this other stuff that we deal with, it is nothing to the Lord. The best that you can do is as filthy rags before the Lord. You better talk to me or I'll if you don't talk to me, I go back and I think I, yeah. if only we could get the blazing, uncontrollable fire of a persistent people advancing towards the presence of Almighty God, toward a victory that is unseen and would begin to burn in the hearts of every born-again believer and the praises of God would arise within the church again with a passionate, prayerful Pentecostal, hello, power, a Pentecostal power. I don't know what you was raised up in, but I was raised up in the old Pentecostal power, hello. They didn't have a, com they didn't swim together and they didn't pray together. Go figure. But when they come out of them rooms, I'll never forget. Woo. I'm sorry, my help may show up today. I remember coming out of the room with that guy right there, and the power of the Holy Ghost was on everybody, and they didn't care who was in the lobby. They began to pray, and they began to seek God, and they would come out speaking in another tongue, and they didn't care if the visitors were uncomfortable. They prayed until God showed up, and when God showed up in the, in the prayer room, he showed up at the altar continuously. Whew. It should be our objective as a people to create a culture of prayer and a culture of praise. There's my mama back there on the back row. Hey, mama. If you don't know, I'm going to go ahead and let you know I'm Pentecostal ADD. I will jump from Scripture to Scripture. You just got to follow me by the way of the Spirit. I believe that sometimes God is ready and prepared to show up to his church but I wonder if the church is ready sometimes. I wonder if the church is really ready to lay down all the things that we need to lay down 
so God can come in. He never comes in in dysfunction. He will never come in in a chaotic people unless he comes in to set judgment in the house of the Lord. If you go all the way back in your scripture and you read the book of First and Second Samuel, you will see something that I've been, I've been, uh, the Lord's just been showing me here lately, is that God was tired of the way that his house was being run. He was tired of the way that the priests were doing in his house. And the Bible says that God heard a woman's cry. He heard Hannah praying, and Hannah said, Lord, if you'll give me a son, I'll dedicate him back to you. I'll give him all of you. But really, in the, in the context of the Scripture, to deal with what God is wanting to do in his nation, he has to deal with the people in the house first. He has to deal with his leaders. He has to... Hello? Okay. He's got to deal with the leaders. He's got to deal... If the leaders get correct, then everything else will get correct. The anointing starts from the head, and it works its way down. It does not flow until you get connected to the head, and the head of this church and this house is the man of God, your pastor, Pastor Waters. Amen? I'm going to tell you what an old 85-year-old man at my church tells me all the time. He said, you're a, you're a star. Jesus is holding you in chapter number three. That's, why, that's the only way that most pastors can make it through is because Jesus is holding them. Let me move on. I wanted this to be a shouting message. But he begins to, to work with, he begins to work with the leadership. And as he works with the leadership, here's, some, here's one thing that just blew me away, man, when the Lord showed me this. Samuel comes in and he is introduced as a prophet. And if you ever want to get true worship, always brings forth a prophetic thing. Not just a prophetic utterance, not just a tongues and interpretation, but it brings forth a prophetic guidance and direction for not just the church, but for the nation and those people that are attached around. There's a prophetic utterance. I don't know about you, but Joel chapter 2 assigns a prof prophetic thing to the generations that are beneath us. They need the prophecy, and they need somebody to tell them where they are headed, or they will go out, and they will go to the world, and they will never come back in the church. Hello? The second thing that the Lord began to show me was that David himself was only a king, but as he was being called to be a king, there's some peculiar things that he began to do. The Bible says that he went to Ahimelech and he asked him to inquire from the Lord, uh, to inquire from the Lord for him. There's times in your leadership that you will get to a place where you have to depend upon those who are anointed over you to be able to get something from the Lord. When you come in here on Sunday mornings, you come in here depending upon him to give you a word, and that is a good thing if you do that. He was inquiring through Ahimelech, the priest, to be able to come in. Second, if you go on down the chapters, you'll find that David got into a bad place. And when he got into this bad place, when he got into this bad place, he had to call for Ahimelech's son to bring him the ephod. 
And when he brought him the ephod, there's a peculiar thing about the ephod. And when worship goes on, there's something that you don't see in the ephod. When you begin to uh, when you begin to look at scripture, there's something on the inside of it that we don't ever see. And David was using this to show us that he was the prototype of who we are today. On the inside, there was a little pocket. And inside that little pocket, some, some people over the years in history said that, I'm going to try to say this correct, Urim and Tumim or whatever, whoever the Hebrew scholar is, shout it out. Urim and Thummim. <laughs> that, that's exactly what it was. Yes or no? If he didn't speak, then you wait on him. We don't tarry no more. We get mad when we go to Chick-fil-A and they ain't got it ready in two seconds. Right? But the Urim and the Thurm was on the inside of the ephod. But I want you to see something. You can read this when you get home. It's not my, it's not my job to tell, you to, to, to tell you where to read. You read it when you get home. It's 1 Samuel chapter 21, 22, 23. Uh, 2 Samuel 6, 1 Chronicles 15. There you go. There's your notes. Next thing David does is he goes out again, and he gets in another bad place. I'm just giving you the groundwork for a second. And when he gets into another bad place, the Bible says he called Elimelech and he said, give me the ephod. And he took the ephod and he said, Lord, do I need to go out against my enemies? Yes, you do. All of a sudden, David is now getting the revelation that was supposed to come through priesthood. But David is offering us a different look, and that is a kingdom of priests. Next thing he does, you see it. We all preach this. We preach this one. Second Chronicles chapter number six, uh, chapter number fifteen, and Second uh, Samuel chapter number six. He went and brought the presence of God back into Jerusalem. He brought him back, and the, the Bible says that when he brought him back, he was dancing naked before the Lord. Ain't that what we preached for a hundred years? He danced naked before he wasn't naked. Read that scripture. He's got the same ephod that the priest gave him, and the priest gave him this ephod, and he put that ephod on. And say, uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 15 says that he still had his robely garments on. So what what the, the issue with his wife was, the way that he was dancing. Don't think I can't dance. I just got to lean over on some. We've lost our dancing shoes in the Pentecostal church. We've lost our shout in the Pentecostal church. We've lost our power in the Pentecostal church. Because there's something to say about when God begins to move and a people begin to shout and begin to cry out to him. Why is he yelling? Why is he yelling? Because I'm feeling this. <laughs> if you felt this, you'd yell too. Sorry, I got a little hair or something in my lip, chap lip. So my question today is, how do we begin to move back towards where we were or where God wants us to be? So I'm going to give you some instructions, and you can take them, you can leave them, you can throw them, let them go in one out the ear, one ear out the other. Eat your chicken and go home happy today. Why should we praise him? Why should we praise God? Building a culture of prayer, you have to understand the reason that you praise God. Psalms 18 and 3 says, 
David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies. I love it in verse 3. He says, I will call upon the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised. That's why you praise the Lord, because he is worthy and because he delivered you. You have the ability on the inside. Well, I don't like to be loud. I'll get to you in just a second. Listen, daddy bought you a bike. Mama washed your clothes for you. And hopefully if you're over the age of 30, she still ain't washing your clothes for you. But God gives you life. And when he gives you life, you ought to have something on the inside of you that says, God, thank you for letting me live another day. I don't know about you, but the older I get, I begin to tell myself, "My, God, if I creak and crack one more time, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up out of bed, but thank you for another day. You're worthy to be praised. Why should we praise him? How should this happen? Psalms 48 and 1 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. There's a way that you have to praise him. You have to greatly praise the Lord. Somebody smile at me. My goodness. Did you leave your teeth at home? <laughs> Show me your gums, baby. It'll be all right. You have to greatly praise. Why do we greatly praise God? Because he's a great God. He has greatly to be praised because he is a great God. It don't, it don't take me very long at all. That, that song they just sung is when, they say, when I think about the Lord and how he sa when, saved me and raised me. and feel, When they begin to talk about that, I'm telling you, there is something on the inside of me that says, my God, it should have been me that was dead. I was drunk, flipped up over on the car. It should have been me that was in the hospital. It should have been me that wasn't here today. All my friends that died and all those who left me, my God, it could have been me. But God in himself, he said, I'm going to save you. I'm going to set you up. I'm going put you behind a pulpit and that is the reason why I praise God the way that we should I'm telling you somebody ought to get excited today because the God who you serve is not limited to a heaven he can come right here in the midst of this earth Woo. that was my introduction you worship him Psalm 47 says you worship him because he's your king because he's your, he's your king and he's your savior. When we sing praises, you should expect the king of kings to enter into the room. He's invisible, but when, he, but when folks start crying out to him, you begin to see the power of him. It just, I, I've got Lakeview here. Lakeview. I grew up at Lakeview and I've got these people. And I, I just remember, I'll never forget one time, uh, Eddie Thomas. Remember Eddie Thomas? She was singing, Eddie Thomas got up. I had just been saved. I had just been saved. These ain't as tall as this. And Eddie Thomas started worshiping. He couldn't run. And he walked around the pool. He was rocking around the congregation. And as he walked, I watched because I was just saved, and I thought, what are these crazy people doing? This pew jumped. This pew jumped up. This pew jumped up. This pew. I thought, what in the world? Then he started getting close to my eye. And it was like a tick-toe effect, uh, effect, a domino effect. I'm telling you, I didn't ask for it. I thought these people was crazy. And all of a sudden, he's easing towards mine, and I hear them shout back here. And I hear my brother shout behind me, and I thought, oh, my God, it's my turn. 
And I've never shouted before in my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, something jumped on me, and I stood up and said, My Lord, thank you. Well, that didn't go over like I thought it would, but I did bring two more points. <laughs> He's your king. He delivered you. He set you free. The Bible says in Psalms 18, Therefore, but, uh, David said, Therefore, I will give thanks unto him, the Lord, among the heathen. You can even praise God among them sinful folks that you find yourself in. Anybody ever do that? When they cussing and carrying on around you, you ought to say, Praise be unto God, the Lord Most High. He's the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. You don't have to wait to get in church to praise God. You can praise him no matter where you are. I tell my people all the time, if it's too crowded in the aisle at Walmart, start shouting and speaking in tongues. There's only two things that can happen. It'll empty out or somebody will break out in revival with you. So that's why we praise him. Now let's talk about who should praise him. This is the uncomfortable part. First of all, in 2 Chronicles 30 and 21, children of Israel that were present, Jerusalem kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord. You know who the Levites and the priests are? In our day and time, you're the priesthood. You're the royal priesthood. The royal priesthood that David began. You're the royal priesthood, and it's up to you to praise God. The priest was a separated tribe. Just because you're a leader don't mean that you can't praise God. Hello? I've seen your pastor do helicopter spins. I think that was Scotty that was on the drums one time when he almost tore the whole drum cage down. He was getting a little older, and he went into a spin. And I seen him spin one time at Dunlap, and he knocked a, one of them singing things off. The, I was like, good Lord, we got to buy stuff everywhere he goes. <laughs> Just because you're the leader don't mean that you don't praise God. Hello? Well, you just don't know, Brother Burns. It is my, it's my place to bring others into worship. No, honey, you need to open up your mouth and praise God for yourself. If you're going to leave me anywhere, you need to make a sacrifice unto God Almighty because he's worthy to be praised. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Now, now don't take that offensive. I wasn't talking to your praise leaders. I have to be careful. I'm not as polished as your pastor is. I will offend, and then I'll get you delivered at the end. <laughs> Psalms 148 and 2 says, praise you him. Who is it that should praise? This is the craziest one. If you've got your Bibles, this is, you need to mark this one. Praise you all his angels, all his hosts. Praise you sun and moon. Praise you stars of the light. Praise you heaven of heavens and waters that are above Praise him, rain. That's what he's saying. Let the rain praise him. Praise the Lord from the earth, you dragons and all the deeps, fire, hail, snow, clouds and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and hills, fruitful trees and all the cedars, beasts and all the cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all the people, princes and judges of the earth, both young men and maiden, old men and children. I'm telling you, if we had some real good young Pentecostal people begin to praise God, you might get an elder to get up and shout and try to make a lap around this place today. You have the victory and you need to announce 
announce it to the enemy that you have not been bound anymore and that he has led you out of captivity and you have the power of praise and when you begin to praise God I'm telling you something on the inside changes the atmosphere where we are glory to God hallelujah Woo. it's okay Paula Number three, where should we praise him? Well, I, you know, I was going to skip over it, but I looked over and seen it. I'm going to give it to you. Preacher, you don't know me. I can't make rent this month. I'm poor, and I can't do it. The Bible has a scripture for you. It's Psalm 74 and 21. Oh, let the oppressed return not ashamed. Let the poor and the needy praise him. Hey, how about that? Maybe your next benefit and your next blessing is on the other side of you praising God. Maybe he's making you a little uncomfortable trying to get you to praise him. The Bible says that we are to give uh, lip, not just lip service, but we are to offer him the praises of thanksgiving. Romans 12 says you need to offer him your whole body holy before the Lord. You know what? I was going to skip over, but I'm going to go back and give these to you. Psalm 67 and 3. Who else should praise him? It's very simple. Let all the people praise him. Oh, God, let all the people praise him. I wish there was a Hebrew guy in here uh, that knew Hebrew. There probably is one in here, but uh, you know what all means? From the neighborhood I come from, it means everybody. Everybody. If you're from Manitou, it's everyone. That means everybody is supposed to praise him. Regardless of the song, regardless of who you like, regardless of being poor, regardless of that you don't have enough food at home, you're still commanded by this psalmist to praise the Lord. Well, somebody just give him a hand clap. I'm almost finished. The next question, if you're going to build a culture of praise, is how often should we praise him? We go to church twice a week. Is that the only time that I should praise him? Psalms 145. And one says, I will extol thee, O my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Verse 2 says, every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. That's every day. That's seven times, seven days a week. The psalmist in chapter number 92 says to show forth your loving kindness in the morning and every night. How many times a day should we worship and praise him? In the morning and in the night. That's what this psalmist is saying. Psalms 119 and 164, he goes a little bit further, and he says, seven times a day do I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Hebrews 13 and 15 says, by faith him, therefore let us offer up sacrifices to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto God. I love it because Philippians 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Psalms 113 and 3 says, Blessed be the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And he gives us the complete 
the complete package of how we should praise God. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Hello? So we, there is never a point in time that we should really stop praising God. There's never a point in time that we should stop praising him because God is good and he's good all the time. He's good every day. He's good everywhere. It doesn't matter where I go. I can still give God praise. Somebody say amen. I love it in Second Chronicles chapter number 20. Jehoshaphat goes out. If the, if the, if the praise team will come back, I'm almost finished. I'm just going to give you this first point. Second Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat goes out. And he's wondering how to go out. And God sends a new thing his way. And he says, here's how you need to establish yourself when you're going out to praise. I mean, to go out to war. Send Judah first. He said, get me all of the praisers. Get me all the people that know how to play the tambourine. You can only play the tambourine in your sanctuary if you have been through a class with your pastor. If that makes it through his, if it makes, if that tambourine makes it through his office, then you can play it. I have hid more in the last four years of my life than I have in my whole life because I was a drummer. I wasn't a good drummer. I wasn't like Scotty. But I need to keep time. I don't need you off beat. <laughs> right? And you, you don't know when to clap. We don't know when to clap. We don't know when to shout. <laughs> I'm glad you're here today, sister. I don't know who you are, but I'm glad you're here. Jehoshaphat, here's what I need you to do. Don't assemble the army first. I need you to assemble the praisers first. Do you realize that we're in a war? Do you realize we're in a war for your sons and daughters, your granddaughters and your grandsons, all your lost loved ones? We're in a battle and a war for them. And here's what God told him. This time, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send Judah out first. Send the singers. Send the players. Send those that are anointed by God to sing. Send those that are anointed to play on the tambourine. Send those dancers out. Can you imagine what the enemy looked at and said, what in the world? Huh? What, what in the world is going Send the praisers out. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that God sent this thing among the enemy, and they turned on each other. Oh, my goodness. Instead of the church turning on each other, we ought to come together and unite in prayer and in worship and in praise unto God. And I'm just trying to wait till everybody in here is at the moment that I need you to be at because there is something that the Lord wants to do in your life today. Just give me a seat. I don't know if I can hit that. Just see. Hit that, hit that pedal on the bottom. Just stay right there. You ready? Scotty, I know you're ready. You're always ready. Psalms 150 says, praise you the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary and the firmament of his power. Praise him for the mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. 
praise him with the sound of the trumpet. He's gone. He's getting the beans ready. Praise him with the sound of the timbrel and the dance. Check that timbrel one off until you see your pastor. Praise him with the stringed instruments. I didn't call you yet. Stringed instruments. Come on, give me some. Do it like your pastor does. You got to lean into it. You got to lean into it and go. Right? Praise him on the stringed instruments. <laughs> Sorry, my nose is running. Praise him on the organ. Mm. Praise him. You ready? On the loud cymbals. Is that as loud as those go? Well, let me praise him on the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise you the Lord. Notice how the atmosphere is shifting. Notice how the atmosphere is shifting. It's shifting because the enemy don't like it when you begin to praise God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just came up under a different culture of church than most people have. I didn't know an organ could say hallelujah until I went to church one day, and I leaned over to the guy next to me, and I said, I think that young man playing the organ just made that thing say hallelujah. Somehow, he made that organ say hallelujah. When you say hallelujah, She's just going to say it. She ain't going to try to make it sound like that. But I'm here to tell you today, the one thing that the Pentecostal church needs to do is get the culture of praise back in the Pentecostal church. <laughs> See how the spirit begins to break out? See how it begins to break out? It just begins to break. <laughs> the, only, the only thing that just really... Uh, only, only people you have an issue with, and this is the nervous people. Those that's been in church, and they know at any moment there could be this Pentecostal explosion. You remember those Pentecostal explosions? That won't hold me up, will it? Remember Sister Rayburn, Mama? She had this beehive on top of her head. 975 bobby pins holding that thing together. And she would try to hold it in. And then she would hit that Pentecostal groove one day. Woo! You know how your pastor does? Woo! I can't do it all. Get dizzy. It's a praise that doesn't care how good you did your hair this morning. It's a praise that does not care if you need God. She would release this praise, and you'd have to deflect your eyes because bobby pins was fl flinging everywhere. And all of a sudden, Sister Rayburn's hair was almost down to her ankles. And I said, Mama, my God, I didn't know her hair was that long. I thought it was this short. A Pentecostal praise. Woo! 
releases something. Something for you. Now I know with which, what, what we're about to do. I'm going to pray for you. I want you to bow your head and evaluate yourself. There's some in here today that you may be backslidden. You may not know who the Lord is. You may not know what I'm talking about today. It's the benefit of serving God that I can praise him. And if you're here today and you say, preacher, I don't know the Lord like you're talking about, but I want to know him. Will you just raise your hand right there where you're at and just say, well, I want to pray the prayer of salvation. I want to be saved. Today is my day, and I feel like I need that. If that's you, will you just lift your hand right there? Number two, maybe you've grown cold in your walk with the Lord. Maybe you've grown cold in your walk with the Lord. And you say you don't feel him like you used to anymore. You don't feel him like you used to anymore. You don't feel that same anointing when you get down to pray. You don't feel him as you're driving down the road and you begin to sing. You don't feel it. And you need another dose of the Holy Ghost. If that's you, will you just lift your hands and just put it back down? Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Come on. I, I know I didn't bring the wrong word and the wrong altar call today. If that's you, we can eat chicken all day long. But I'm telling you, today is your day to get filled with the Holy Ghost over and over and over again. If that's you, come on. I'm just going to give you another couple seconds so we're going to pray for you. That's me, Pastor. I need another dose of the Holy Ghost. I need another inpouring to fill me to the top and to overflow it. Hadn't spoken tongues and I don't know how long. I need an infilling of the Holy Ghost. Is that you? Come on. Hands have went up everywhere. Hands are going up everywhere. If that's you, run to this altar. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Come on. That's, yeah. We want it to break. We want it to break. We want it to break. Next, if you need healing in your body, if you need healing in your body, I want you to stand right over here. Come to this side right here. Come to this side right here. I want you to come on. Come on, healing in your body. Come on, me and your pastor and your elders, wherever the elders are, come on, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Come on, whatever you need from the Lord, don't wait. Don't do that Pentecostal pause where we wait till everything goes, where we wait and wait and wait. We want to pray. Pray with you now. Come on, come on, make your way this way. 